1: This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar, but to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and call to the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it. And I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it.
0: We're going to bring you all to our huddle.
1: You are in. Where's Huddle with me? Bram with your usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Doug Also, our master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? I am fired. I'd be fired up now, anyways, because of a huge win. But I'm even more excited to announce that rejoining us after way too long, the all-powerful moderator behind a Warriors subreddit page with about a half million members, a passionate fan with an undefeated home record, a longtime Warriors guru with an enormous presence on Golden State Twitter, and a man who knows that Jordan Poole is only getting paid four million this year not 32 mr eric jet what's going on eric
2: hey thanks for having me back uh i gotta say that little intro from maxime about all things master of video and sound i noticed that he he juggled our video positioning because my face is facing a certain direction man you are you're on it uh, i mean <laughs> I, I noticed not that too and here's what detail. i noticed,
1: eric i don't like where you are i'm normally in your section I normally you got that little wires huddle thing on you i'm not sure how you got that pole position and i'll tell you now i'm a little bitter about it we're, we're going to see yeah, how we, this ultimately goes
2: just like we talked about marcus uh, right before we started recording i took a vote before he got here we took another vote and i'm actually the new host of the show that's so, great right. really well ready. then, be then
1: give me a second i'm going to mute my microphone so anytime you come to me i won't have an answer <laughs> and we will be ready to go we've got all kinds of high
3: square sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> all kinds of things to talk about but let me start here man eric what kind of a uh fan are you in this sense so like i've i know how passionate you are i know how much this team means to you but i've also seen moments when you're healthy where you tell me things like look i don't play for the team so if they lose you know i can still go about my day does that yeah. analysis change during the playoffs you know like does your emotional well-being wrapped up in them now or are you
2: still you know kind of don't know, healthy you know it's a it's a defense mechanism right um Like when we're losing, I'm like, ah, I got other stuff. I got other hobbies. Uh, (laughs) but when we're winning, you better believe I'm going to dance on a motherfucker's grave. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. I'm fully wrapped up in it, man. Like when the highs are high, um, like after that win, uh, I was buzzing for like 10. I didn't, I didn't sleep. I just stayed up. I was just thumbing through Twitter. Like I got to talk more shit. Like these people got to hear from me. Like I got to let them know how bad their team is. I just got to do it.
1: rewatched the fourth quarter. Like immediately instantaneously I started back up the fourth quarter and my wife saw me do it and you could tell she was a little annoyed with it she had just watched it and want to watch it again I'm watching it in bed but it's when I started cheering as if it had not happened before when she was like you need to get the fuck out of it like go to the living room <laughs> it's been like five minutes I was getting upset about calls again and I had already like you know we'd already processed it but gentlemen we have so much stuff to cover and not that much time to cover it So let's jump in and let's start with our glass half full. Before I explain what it is, Marcus, warning, I'm going to you first. You may want to unmute your microphone. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, This is where we look back at recent basketball and give us something we like or don't. And this one, even more specific. Look at game five. MT, would you go first?
3: Uh, Go glass half full is just to see wigs back. Um that shot he hit that turnaround with about a minute to go um, was so big. And it's one of those shots, he takes it and you're, you're like, no, 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 no. And, you know, you almost give him the Steph and Clay treatment of what a terrible shot. And then it goes in and then, you know, that got a, a big fist poke for me. So um excited to see Wiggs back. It doesn't look like he took two months off, but he, we were always talking about him being a, a crucial missing piece for this playoff run. So. Glad to see him back and um, back to his old self.
1: I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I like how calm I feel when Wiggins has the ball in this series. Um, he has a physical advantage over a lot of the people who are guarding him, and that is not true for most of these matchups that we have. And so when he took that 15 footer you're talking about, and it's, you know, God, did we need it? He was able to just rise up and shoot above. I forget who was on him at the time, but that advantage is I don't know, it's unusual and something that calms me. Uh, here's something I like: Who the fuck, Draymond? Green has been since he came back. The Not only has been willing to come off the bench, no questions asked. Not only was he willing to take the blame on Steph's timeout. Not only is he making a defensive difference across the board. He's the reason that Harrison Barnes took that shot at the end of game four as opposed to De'Aaron Fox. But he's a huge contributor on offense. He goes into an arena that is desperate to hate him that wants to boo him as loud as they possibly can and not only does he deliver on the place we all know he will the defensive end he puts up 21 points in their fucking eye. so what do i like
2: draymond green eric what do you got uh it's got to be loondog like the guy is insane man like when you're when you're building an nba team or a sports team in general like if you want to kind of dive in deeper to the salaries or whatever like these series obviously you win off the backs of the dudes. Like your superstar, they're carrying power, Steph, you know, Steph is the guy or whatever. But once you look past that, you need to find value at positions, people that are dramatically out outplaying the amount of salary that they're chewing up. And Looney at seven million a year outplaying Sabonis at 20 some million a year. It's just insane. And uh, we're talking about. Dancing on people's graves, but like that Sacramento, uh, that, that Sacramento podcast host or whatever, the Locked On Kings, like entering the series, talking about like Sabonis is going to chew that shit up. Like the fact that Looney has just like been the best big in this series is uh, that's my my cup is overflowing. I love Absolutely, we flying. Uh,
1: two follow-ups there. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm trying to change my camera angle so it looks like I should be in <laughs> Eric's Square. That I don't. I'm, it's weird that Maxim hasn't changed anything yet. Uh, for Loon, and I was thinking this last night. Loon exemplifies all the things the Warriors weren't under Cohen. You know, he, he, all he does is win. He just makes, you know, it doesn't have to be a sexy play. It's not based on athleticism or being bigger than anybody else. He just happens to be in the right place at the right time and does the right thing. You know, and we, we never had anybody like that when we were sucking ass. And it's so great to have somebody like that. Now it's another calming presence. Maxine.
4: So, you know, as I know that I'm going last, I mean, obviously all of the glass half fulls that that you all brought up are, you know, the, the stories of the game. So I'm going to toss in one more that I think might get overlooked, Um, you know, a- until we get deeper into this. And that's Gary Payton a second. Like what an what an incredible, you know, talk about being excited to see guys coming back. Dude goes four for five. And six rebounds, you know, including one that actually I just pulled up because I was uh I was so excited to when it happened in real time that I'll just play it for us all right now. Um, right, you know, uh, Clay comes in, uh, uh, oh no, excuse me, it's a Jordan pool shot, and and out of nowhere, Gary Payton's like fighting off basically this. three potential dudes right to yeah. get it back out, and and the cool thing in that moment is you actually end up uh, uh dishing it out to Draymond, who then dives to the rim. And it makes it very clear early on in the game that he's going to be an offensive presence. Just really, really exciting stuff. And I just loved seeing the minutes that Gary Payton provided are exactly why we traded for him and gave up Wiseman in this case. Why we shouldn't have left, let him go in the first place. But it's just so exciting to see, yes, this is exactly who we need, you know, coming off the bench.
1: I'll add one more. Um, and it's what it means to have championship experience, right? And I've, I've slowly, we saw it last night and I've slowly come to understand this watching the Warriors over the last few years. Championship experience doesn't mean that you always play like a champion. Doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have times when things aren't going really well. It means that as the pressure ratchets up, you continue to play the same. You aren't impacted by that. And we saw that last night. You know, the Warriors, they can be turnover run. I understand all of that. But when the the pressure really gets ratcheted up, they continue to execute, they continue to have the exact same approach they would during the preseason. A team like the Kings doesn't have that fucking experience. Um stupid example. If I drew a line on the ground and asked you to walk it, super easy. If I took that exact same line, put it up fifty thousand feet, and you had to walk it, you'd trip balls. You know the, the the circumstances and the downsides of it would make you really nervous as you did it. The Warriors have done that line at fifty thousand feet so many times now that they, they they are no longer looking down. They're just ready to go. That's championship experience. Um, and Brent, and it, well-
4: I'll toss one thing out on the top of that, right? Because I think the flip side is also true, which is that SAC doesn't have it. Going a little bit behind Ooh. enemy lines here, this is a a response, right? Even if we go down Friday, I'm very happy and proud of this team. And the top response ends with, regardless of what happens here, this is one of the greatest seasons in Kings history. Ruff. That's so sad. <laughs> That's so sad.
2: <laughs> oh my God, it couldn't be me. It just couldn't be me. We are, are real got to all that,
3: Maxime. Is now played video and a static image that supports all of his takes. I mean, right? He,
2: he like the, his takes day. are all better than ours because he's got all <laughs> exactly. the media okay. in it. I mean, but I'm not sure if that's the okay. well, yes, video ridiculous. I edited together. <laughs> like, One geez. other observation, though. Did you notice when he pulled that and it moved all our fo- photos to the right? Bram was on the top, and I swear his mood like changed immediately. Yes, oh, yes. But look at it now. I've gone back to angry. Can we just do the whole
1: thing with me on the left and on the top? I'm not uh, sure what's going on here. Dude.
2: This, this, the entire
1: thing is, uh, is really starting to bother me, boys. Let's jump into our golden questions. Eric, you've done this with us multiple times. This is our mailbag. It always deals with the Warriors, occasionally gets personal. I have gone through this one, and it does both. Here's the first quote. Bram. We need a best around redo. Please give us an update on these. Eric, um, the best around thing might be new to you. Really, it's an excuse to play the Karate Kid song. I just have always loved it and yeah. any title that, you know, that brings it out. But he's given us a sequence of questions. Um, and now that we've given enough time for that song to play, here's the first. Maxine, why don't you go first? And if you have a video tied with this, I'm not asking you another question. I'm not just fucking <laughs> telling you that right now. The best player in the series so far has been?
4: Ooh. First of all, shout out Matt Anderson. Uh, I was definitely the kid that made a diorama to go with my book report. That's on point. Uh, Thanks for that, Matt. Uh, Listen, I said earlier in the series that it was and Fox. And to be honest, uh, I, I don't think that that has changed too much through five games and he gets a little bit of extra credit because he played, you know, that first half incredibly well given that he had a fractured finger. And then you know, I think jabbed it as he was poking the ball out of Steph's hands or not tempting to, uh, and then clearly that bothered him in the second half and he didn't play as well. So, um, you know, with all of that said, I think I got to give it to Steph. Uh, you know, I, I, the the big shots, the consistency to hit the big shots, I think I what I was so enamored with in game two with De'Aaron Fox was that when Steph hits the shot, De'Aaron Fox would come back and hit one two. And I was like, oh shit, you know, the, here is the ascendancy and here's what happened. Darren Fox kind of slid a little bit and Steph did not. He's still one of the greatest of all time. And in fact, I just heard on the low post today, Zach Lowe saying, okay, at this point, you know, as they were doing their bucks post-mortem, who, uh, you know, who at this point is untradeable for Giannis? And he's not trying to say that Giannis is going to get traded, but it was an interesting thought experiment. And literally the next sentence out of his mouth is probably the only person at this point who's untradeable is Steph Curry. That says it all right there.
1: Jonathan's coming to the Warriors, but we'll focus on that during the (laughs) offseason. Here's why it's fucking Steph and it's not close. It's not because of who he is when he's playing well. It's because of who he is when he's playing poorly. Steph was two of 10 from three point land, two of 10 last night. That's his defining skill, man. That's what we all talk about. He's the greatest shooter of all time. He shot 20 percent, was the most important person on the floor, still ended up with 31 points and 50% shooting overall, Mm -hmm. if you can go out there and the one thing you're expected to do, you're terrible at, and you're still the unquestioned reason why they won, then you're the best player in the series in my mind. Eric, what'd you go next?
2: It's, it's Steph. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a boring answer at this point because it's, it can't be anyone else. Like I could sit here and talk some more about Looney and be happy to do it. He's (laughs) amazing. He's fucking unbelievable. Like he's, tying up Sabonis down low. He's been hugely impactful. We don't win if Loonny's not on the team. But uh it it's it's Steph Curry. Like he's insane. He's unbelievable. We're witnessing generational talent. Uh at his best. Like it's unreal. Even when he's bad, he's good.
1: Keep the mic and take us in a different direction. Next question. Best coach.
2: Uh I mean that is a good question. Um, Thanks, man. Mike Brown is doing a great job. He really is. I think that the Kings. Uh, it seems like their game plan is they're coming in and they're they're running, they're using their youth and their athleticism, and they're running us on both ends of the court hard. And I feel like you can see it as the games progress. Our legs are, are are weary, and they've got that youthful energy. And I, I think that's Brown is doing a phenomenal job. I think the Warriors are a more talented team, top to bottom, mm-hmm. uh, with with the experience as well, but that they took 2-0. Honestly, I think the Kings low key sold like losing game three. And this is touching a little bit on what you were saying about like superstar DNA or whatever, like superstars can, you know, these DNA teams, these high functioning championship winning teams, like they can slump and they can drop games. They can, but they still have that within them. And, um, we saw game three, Steph Curry was like, we are winning this game. Like, I would say on like, the you know, Bonta Hill likes to talk about the panic meter. Where are you at? Where are you at? Like going into game three, uh, I went and saw it live and I was like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm like three out of 10 nervous about this game. We need to win this. And they're like, Gary Payton second's not playing. I was like, fuck. Like oh, I like, just a spiked point. a five out of 10. <laughs> and then Steph was like, let me load this team up on my back real quick. Like, and they, they blew them out. <laughs> like low key blew them out had no business doing so, in my opinion. Um, It's not the way I thought the game was going to go at all. And uh, I think that Steve Kerr has adjusted really well with those rotations. It's so funny that he's still tinkering with rotations. But I guess that's playoff basketball as well. It just kind of transitioned from the regular season tinkering into playoff tinkering. Maybe this is just who this man is.
1: Adjustments. I like it. MT, who do you think?
2: Best coach.
3: I am um, gonna go Steve Kerr as well. I, you know, Mike Brown was the unanimous coach of the year, so you got to give him his respect, but um, there's a couple of things that he just hasn't adjusted to as well that I think Steve Kerr would have. Um, one example, Keegan Murray was absolutely on fire and, you know, like shooting lights out, especially the last two games and the last one. And um, for some reason he doesn't call plays to get him the shot instead of some of the other players. So, um, you know, whether or not the moment's too big for a rookie or he wants to spread the love around, you know, I'm sure he has his reasons. But I think Steve Kerr does a better job of noticing those and making adjustments on the fly than than Mike Brown has. Um, so I'll give the edge to Steve
1: Kerr. We're looking at another piece of uh, Behind Enemy 9's research. This, I imagine, is from Reddit, and we're looking at something from a Kings fan. Pointing out that Keegan Murray didn't uh, get the ball in the fourth quarter and was kind of ignored. Um, I'll point out, I agree that it's Steve Kerr. This is a homer take. And instead, I'll just say what I've really enjoyed about Kerr, that he he started this series playing Steph's minutes for the finals. You could tell he was holding them back. He, he didn't want him to have too many minutes. Um, and in the last few games, he's let him play the full fourth quarter, recognized what was going on in this series, that they wouldn't worry about the finals if they couldn't get past Sacramento and are now letting him play the full complement. So I like the adjustment. Next one, best crowd. This is going to hurt my feelings. I hate to say this. It's Sacramento. Uh, the The Chase Center, we went to that game. I was impressed. We were loud. And it's not that we can't make a difference, but that we've lost that hunger that comes with being out of the playoffs for, you know, what, what's it been for Sacramento now? Like 38 years? However long it's been. They, you know, it's been long enough where they have a fervor. Now, I'll also say that that crowd isn't like we were at Oracle. I've noticed the last couple of games, there's some fucking empty seats to start it off. You know, my, the three S's, the seat sound shirts, Yeah, they, they're not all wearing shirts and they weren't always in their seats. So it's, you know, it's not a 10 out of 10, but I still give them the edge. Uh, I'm, I'm pushing this to the next one. Cause I'm anxious to hear your guys answers the best win so far. So of the five games, which win do you think resonated the most? Maxine, we haven't heard from you for a minute. What do you got?
4: All right. So just to go back because I have it, behind enemy lines again, we've got a fan that was in both arenas giving the edge to Chase. So just saying, I think there is something to the playoff pedigree, right? It I takes really bit appreciate
1: longer. you pushing us backwards, Maxine. That's fantastic. Yeah, case- do you have any video for questions like five to ten minutes ago? Because that'd be good too. Who <laughs> do you have as the best win, man?
3: Put your mic on mute before you answer
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, For me, it's, it's most recent. It's game five. And, uh, and I will say that I think the most exciting was game four. That Harrison Barnes uh, buzzer, beater, miss, you know, is maybe the flashpoint of the whole series. But the reason it's game five for me is, and I'm hoping that game six will be even more so, is that you're, con- you're continuing to see an ascendancy. You're seeing a team finding their footing. You're seeing Wiggins getting more incorporated into the lineup, which he, I mean, coming right out of the gate, he was not bad. But it makes sense that there would be a ramp up to where he is now. He's starting to feel himself a lot more. This team is coming alive with every single game. And last night's game was the most emphatic win so far this series. It's the most I've been comfortable watching this team so far in the playoffs. And I think it's only going to get better from here.
1: The sliding doors that Game 4 represented... Harrison Barnes hits that fucking shot, and we have the biggest collapse, you know, in in recent memory. The Warriors have a Chris Webber moment, you know, that that Curry has to deal with. I, I think because of that alone, what it would have been, what we avoided, is what makes it so big. It's almost like a negative, um, like backwards analysis. I yeah, feel like
2: runs. HB missing that shot with uh, did Draymond came out and talked about Harrison not inviting him to his wedding? Did you come and talk about that after? Was after. that after? Yeah, after I was, I was talking about that with, and well, okay, with some with a few people uh, before Draymond came out and talked about it, and I was like, these dudes don't like each other, <laughs> like, and this is why. Like, I was talking to someone about it, I was telling my wife about it when we were at the game, like, and then for him to miss that shot and Draymond to be like, he would have called us every fucking name in the book if he had made that shot, like he wanted it so bad. And to see it fall short and to remember the past was just so sweet. When well, Draymond so said that
1: shit after game, right? There's, there's footage yeah. of him hugging Steph, saying, where have we seen that before? And We've he's talking about before. all those fucking misses. Yeah. And, and Draymond's wedding story wasn't just that he wasn't invited. It was that everybody was invited. Steph, yes. Clay, everyone was invited. But Draymond was not,
2: which, you know, is a, there's no doubt. It's a giant fuck you. Well, and I actually heard that Draymond approached him about it. of course he did or somewhere and he said like hey man like are you you're not going to invite me to your wedding or what and hb (laughs) just looked at him he's like yeah it is what it is you're not invited like just like stone cold to his face like move on like
1: you're not coming like more opposite like social (laughs) personalities you know draymond coming in there like a pit bull and harrison walking around all stiff and weird you know like not wanting to be real about anything i would have loved to see it's that just so
2: funny though. How awkward is that though? Like someone like, Hey man, why didn't you invite me to your birthday party? He's like, go, go fuck yourself. Like, it's You're idiot. not coming to my birthday party.
1: Well, and you know, I mean, if you did it in a public setting, if, if I know anything about Draymond, he didn't go straight to him. First, he was like, Steph, are you going to the wedding? Yes. Clay, are you going to the wedding? Yes. Kerr, are you going to the wedding? Yes. Like just Everyone's all the people. they going to the wedding. You know, like Festus, <laughs> everyone going to the wedding. And then you yeah. go to Harrison. Harrison, I haven't gotten an invite. I haven't gotten an invite yet to like I- the second wave, you know, like, is this yes. coming or... Or what so happened? got invited to yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> he and zarko have always been really close marcus so oh. it, you never want to forget that um all right marcus take the mic but i'm giving you a new question so this next one asks what was the most dirty play of the playoffs so far and we have a lot of nominations so uh we have some video to do it first here's our our first nomination it's dylan brooks for his work in the lebron oh. dick punch so let's go ahead and watch that <laughs> There he is. Boom! LeBron goes for a crossover. Dylan with a solid left-handed shot to LeBron's dick. And down LeBron goes for quite some time. So there's Dylan Brooks. All right, let's go to Draymond Green. Draymond has been nominated for his incredible role in the Stomp Heard Around the World. Here's that. Familiar play for all of us. There's Dematis wrapping up his leg. And Draymond's slight uh, step onto his sternum. There it's is DeMontis up. losing his shit. All right. Our next nominee is for Joel Embiid um, for his role in The Vicious Kick. Claxton, Duncan, and Joel. Boom. Nasty kick <laughs> on Claxton. And then our final one, and we don't have any uh, any video for it. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm skipping one. Um, it's Anthony Edwards' role. <laughs> In the chair throw, this is a, a kind of a cool angle here. I'm not sure if everybody saw this. I'll let this run a few times, Maxime Anthony Edwards misses a shot that would have tied it. Doesn't shake anyone's hands. Instead, runs down into the locker room and on his way grabs a chair and kind of throws it into two arena workers. If you haven't seen this video, you may want to watch uh, our pod on YouTube. All right, and the final entry, and this is the one we do not have video for, is Gobert throwing a punch at uh, slow mo his teammate. I'm not sure if it's dirty to punch your teammate, which is why I didn't ultimately pull the video for it. So what do you think? MT, those are your nominees. Who is the dirtiest player in the playoffs so far? Uh,
3: Definitely Dylan Brooks. I mean, I think the other two, you know, it's interesting. Joel Embiid, I think, got away lightly for that kick. They tallied it up, and he actually has more flagrant fouls in the playoffs than Draymond Green does. So. You know, and Joe Dumars was like, oh, well, look at the history. It's like, well, you didn't look at the history for everybody. So why are you looking at the history differently for Embiid? He should have been suspended if you're looking at the history. But um, just from a pure, dirty standpoint, I mean, Claxton steps over Embiid, which is kind of a no-no, an unwritten rule. Um, you know, and this, the Dylan Brooks punch, there's no way, like, unless LeBron's entire midsection becomes invisible, you're not going to get the ball with that arm motion. Uh, so uh. to me, it was just a dirty play. And, you know, Sabonis's play was dirty for grabbing the foot. And then Draymond didn't have anywhere to step. But I, I still think... Dylan's shot was dirtier just because of the location.
1: The one for me, it's Embiid, and it's because there's no justification. Everybody else can offer some BS justification. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I was going for the ball. I heard you, MJ. You're right. You know he was. There's no chance he was going to get that steal, but he can at least offer like, all right, this is what I was doing. What is Embiid offering? He was trying to wipe the bottom of his shoe off on Claxton's balls. <laughs> like there is there there is no there's zero. What you were trying to do is kick him, and you succeeded. You know, and if like that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to kick somebody, then you're the dirtiest guy. It, it goes to
2: Embiid for me, Eric. What do you think? I got the unpopular take, man. It's Draymond. No, oh. I'm, okay, gonna I get, I'm gonna get canceled for you this. You move him right let, out of that top slot. Let me no, no, let team. me preface <laughs> this by saying, saying that that I don't I don't care that much. Let's like I'm I'm not I'm not hung up on this. I'm not hung up on this. <laughs> The Dylan Brooks, I'm like not convinced that he was trying to punch him in the nuts. Like maybe he was. I don't know. It seemed lame. Embiid did it on purpose because he was annoyed. He's not, there was like no real threat to actually hurting anyone there. It's kind of like, a reminds me of like AI ste- stepping over Ty Lue. But like, Embiid's yeah. like, that's not going to happen to me. Like, and I get it. Uh, the Gobert armpit punch is just hilarious. The Ant Man <laughs> thing is like an accident. Like, it's so, it's just like weird, litigious, like these. Stadium workers are looking for a payout like, oh, we're pressing charges. That's crazy. Um, Draymond is Draymond. He's impulsive. He's got a temper. He punched his teammate in the fucking face. Uh, there is an established pattern. And like, we can get hung up on this like if, if you allow it to happen. But like there's the, the aspect of like the league suspending him for past behavior, which is just horseshit, like it's so fucking stupid. Like it's just it's absolutely outrageous. No one should have been suspended for this. But uh, I, I don't buy into the narrative that, like, there was nowhere for him to step. Like, he looked annoyed to me. He stomped him. It is what it is. Like, and I think we kind of heard that from, like, Kerr and Bob Myers, too. They're like, eh, Draymond's Draymond. Like, no comment. We're moving on. Like, it really helps that we fucking won that game without him. Like, we're just not going to talk about it. Like, that's where I'm at. I think it was dirty. I don't care that much. Like, everyone seems to be fine. Uh but yeah,
1: here's, I don't know. Here's where I get to throw a compliment Maxime's way, let the record reflect that Eric has now in fact been moved out of the top ride slot.
2: <laughs> or shit
1: housing fair. Draymond. Um a little peek behind the attorney scenes. So you guys know I'm a I'm a lawyer. We do personal injury stuff. Um and pictures or videos, and this goes towards the Ant Edwards stuff. If an accident happens and the person says they have a video, that video goes one of two ways. It's either great, shows what happened, or it's terrible, shows what happened. You know, and this this for Anthony Edwards, it's the second, it's terrible. You, I read that story, and you hear he's throwing a, a chair, and you're like, ooh, and it hit people, and you're like, oh, oh that's nasty. Then you watch it, it's like, oh, no, he didn't, that's nothing, it, like, it didn't, They, the workers seem to be just kind of surprised, not hurt in any way, um, which kind of hedges against it. Finish
4: this out, Maxime. Your dirtiest player is? Joel Embiid, and can I also say, listen, the definition of dirtiest player here, right, like, it's it's like the unprovoked, right, dirty being like, I'm trying to hurt you. Right. Dirty being that you, you know, I, as as ridiculous as Draymond is, and I guess I've come onto the side of like, yeah, you know, it wasn't just like him trying to get back on defense. Right. He he did a little bit of a wind up, whatever. But that was in response to Sabonis holding him so that he couldn't get back on defense or uh, on offense, which is also something that basically Sabonis did in game one. So I think he had a lot of reason to be frustrated. And did he over exaggerate his response you know, do I wish that he didn't stomp on him? Yes, but it's in reaction to something. I don't think that's dirty per se. Whereas Joel and B, to your point, I mean, I've never cleaned my foot on anybody else's nuts, and I don't plan to. So, let's Joel not Embiid. talk about
1: the game one reference. It hedges towards Eric in my mind, oh, right? No. Because what he's saying, it, like the the if all he was doing, he had no fucking place to put his foot. Then that was gravity that made it happen. If you starting to talk about they were holding me the game before, now now we're closer to the Nicholas Claxton thing. He was looking for a reason to to get back on, on a on a perceived slight. So let's let's just stick with gravity. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger
0: app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: I do have a follow-up question. and It's a judgment theater one. All right. So if this happened and we were the victim, all right, we all got, we all got inadvertently hit in the nuts. Which side of the reaction spectrum would you be on? You know, would you be more closer to LeBron and DeMontis, where you go down and you've been shot in the face and you're letting everybody know this is awful and you're embellishing and you go big, big, big? Or would you be closer to to Claxton? You know, he he was surprised he got kicked in the balls, but he he gave it an actual reaction. This is how I felt. And then he got up. All right. So guess for me, boys, I am out there. Somebody inadvertently hits me. I'm not that hurt. What happens?
2: Oh, we're calling it an ambulance, man, for sure. Yeah. You're, you're still on the ground right now. You may never recover.
3: <laughs> you're doing this podcast from the ground.
1: <laughs> I'll have you guys know that I thought they were holding my leg in game one, and I was very angry about that. Of course, you guys are right. All right, and so I was trying to think if like I had any real world experience with this, and here's the closest I got. I can remember like way back when, you know, like second grade, third grade, something like that, being either in the playground or summer camp, and you'd and, accidentally run into somebody you know you would hurt the other kid and now they're crying legitimately in those circumstances i would sometimes pretend like i was hurt because it would hedge any punishment that was coming my way you know like if i was also hurt and this kid was going mm-hmm. they wouldn't be like oh what were you doing you know because they would be worried about it and so recognizing what the consequences could be i hedged i went drama to help you know help my cause yeah. so game i game think there's yeah. chance yeah i could be uh I could be rolling for sure. I've got another judgment theater down the line, so we're not going to go all the way for all four of us, but let's do Eric. What do you guys think? Eric, Eric gets hit. It doesn't hurt him that bad. What's his reaction? Um, Maxine, why don't you start us off?
4: Yeah, so you know you might think he's a reasonable guy, you know, like he would just do the Claxton approach. But I think because he's a reasonable guy, he knows the value of getting into the refs' heads and making sure that they see the play. And even if they don't call it the right way, they're a little bit more in his pocket the next time. I think Eric is more conniving than he likes to let on.
1: I think he would he wouldn't be pain response. It would be like disdain and be so disappointed, just a whole lot of. Oh. Like, like looking down, shaking head like that's just that's just disgusting what just happened there. So, you know, no rolling, but, you know, the some some overreaction of his own type. MG, I think if it's the Nick Claxton
3: example, I think he continues to stand over Embiid and just continue to assert dominance. Um, I don't think he he play, hits the ground and rolls around like a, a soccer player being in for her to make sure he doesn't get a yellow card too.
1: Mm-hmm. Eric. What's the answer?
2: Uh, I, I put a photo in the private chat for Maxine to pull up. It's an actual picture of me from when this happened oh. Oh. at some point in my life. <laughs> that, that's me <laughs> after getting kicked in the balls. Uh, he is. Throwing he is. a big old crybaby baby. The fit. Memphis
1: fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, he's a Nuggets guy, right? He's a Nuggets fan. That's such huh. a good picture, though. Fuck, I, uh, I brush it off. Uh, I'm not sweating it. But, you,
1: know. you move on immediately. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is... Um,
2: do You think not- LeBron's like, doing, is there gamesmanship there? He's like, I'm going to get this fool tossed. Like, do you think that's going through his yes, mind? Sure.
1: Yes. Oh, well, that's I don't insane. know. Was Dylan Brooks holding a knife? Because it, like, unless he <laughs> right? got stabbed in the testicles, I do not think that that was. Well, I, I, think there's,
2: I think that there are like NBA players that like overham it just because they're like fucking babies. Like, I don't think a lot of them are like, oh man, I'm really going to sell this. And maybe I can get a double technical. Like, <laughs> Maybe you'll get tossed. Like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. wrong. I
1: I avoided multiple punishments on the uh, schoolyard going big drama. So I can tell you there is some upside to our next question. Quote, dear Huddle, I need your advice. I was watching the game with friends and a Sacramento fan was there. He was respectful, friendly, and actually pretty complimentary to the Warriors. Also, I hated his face almost as much as I hated his monk jersey. Is hating an opposing fan normal behavior during the playoffs? Um, so I, I think we can all guess, I mean, I, I hate this guy just because he had a monk Jersey. I didn't know that they sold the monk jerseys. So immediately, in fact, I have a question of my own. I need your guys advice on, but quickly before we get to it, what do you think? Is that normal during the playoffs? If someone is just respectfully rooting for their team is hate the normal
2: response. This is tough, man. I've got, it depends at what time in your life. This became super important to you. Cause like I've been, mean, you know, I've been a Warriors fan my whole life or whatever. But um, you know, we were super bad for so long that like I didn't really get hyper passionate about being competitive with other fan bases because we were gonna take an L every single time. So like I I saw some Sacramento fans at the stadium and I had some banter in person outside a hey. bathroom with a with the Kings fan. We were talking shit uh back and forth. And at the end, I patted him on the chest, Is like, Hey, I hope you had fun. Like, I hope you had a good time. Like we're talking shit. We're having fun. It's all good. And uh, I hope you enjoyed watching the game or whatever. And we, and we you know, fist bumped and we moved on and it's cool. But uh, if you're a fucking Dodgers fan, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's just how it's been my whole life. I don't know why. I just can't. It's like it's woven into the fiber of who I am. Uh...
1: Let's go. In related news, Eric and I are going to a, a Giants-Dodgers game. That's real. So yeah. I, hell yeah. yeah, yeah. getting mentally <laughs> you're prepared. You're going to see it. Me.
2: I got fights. thrown out of a Giants game for almost getting in a fight with a Dodgers fan. Like well, you should know ago. that
1: if I get punched, I'm going to go down and roll for like 45 <laughs> minutes. <So laughs> hey. Be ready for that. Um, all right, let me give you guys the, my actual follow-up. And Marcus watched this thing play out, and so I want ultimately his opinion. But MC and I um, went to game four together. In fact, Marcus was nice enough to bring me. And we sat in a suite. You know, it was a, It's a thing that Hi. I have never experienced, certainly not in a playoff game at least. And when we were there, although ninety nine percent of the people in the suite were Warriors fans, there was one Kings fan, and that Kings fan—he well, wasn't wearing Kings gear. He was not being obnoxious in any way, but he was rooting for his team, you know. And he was—he was clapping loudly. Let's say. So, what's the appropriate way? What's a respectful, classy, sweet way to tell that person "fuck you"? You know, like because I—I I, can't—I I can't have any of my normal um, passive aggressive shit. I can't like scream like I would if I wanted a suite, you know, and Marcus brought me there. That, that, circumstance is not allowed, but I wanted this person to know that I desperately disliked him, you know? So what are the options? I mean, what I did to spoil the ending, I clapped so loud. I still have my, my wedding ring, um, put a cut on my Mm -hmm. finger. Like I'm I mean, literally, I I have a clapping, You're clapping in this guy's ear. Like yeah, really I know, long. I didn't even do that. You're such dude, a bro. dick, bro. <laughs> okay, dude. Great follow up. If I wasn't in the suite, I would have. I would have turned around okay. and like looked at him. But no, it was I love like it. clapping forward. You know. Sure. Um, so two questions. First one's to you, MT. Was I inappropriate? You know, at any point did you feel like, ooh, I shouldn't have brought Bram? And then, <laughs> what are the right ways?
3: Um, no, I didn't feel like you crossed the line or were inappropriate. It was it was a tough situation because I'd never been in that suite and had an opposing fan there before. So when he started clapping at one of those runs, both you and I looked at him and then looked back at each other and just kind of did a saw moment because it was like, <laughs> okay, we got to keep this under control, but this guy definitely needs to get out of here. So I think- yeah. I think you were appropriate. Um, You were clapping and, and, you know, like yelling as you would a normal fan. I think my response to that is how do I take it is it depends on what the score of the game is and and the series, you know, like lead. Like if we're up by 20 and we're definitely going to win the series. I just feel pity. I'm just kind of like, oh, isn't that cute? Like, yeah. uh, you know, a little Kings fan. Yeah. If we're, you know, like down two one and it's <laughs> it's a crazy game and Steph just called a Chris Webber timeout every time that guy even looks like he's going to cheer. I, I hate him. So I was going <laughs> back and forth on that dude. And because it was a work situation, too, we had to keep it in check. But if we would have been in our other seats, there would have been.
1: Um, some different reactions for sure. I can tell you right now that if Harrison Barnes hit that shot, fuck your job. I was fighting. <laughs> I would have got my ass beat. I can't fight at all. And he was kind of a big dude, but like I, there, there would have been like the shock of surprise. just would have dove over, you know, and everyone in the suite would be like what's going on? Like, Oh no. <laughs>
2: right. Oh, I forgive it. Cause it sounds like it was a work thing and it was likely out of your control. But I was just thinking like, who, dude, you don't bring sand to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, we were next to the suite. Next to ours was the King's suite. So, like Alvin Gentry and all of the mm. King's brass, who you know aren't obviously behind the bench, were all there, and they took it really hard.
1: They were Good. they Parker. were really quiet afterwards. The moment they took hardest, and I've already I've um, already told this story, so forgive me if you've heard it. But when Harrison Barnes took the shot, I I couldn't look at the court. I was too fucking nervous, and so I looked to the right, and that made me look. I'm um, just inadvertently. I, I wasn't interested in their Opinion. I just couldn't watch what was happening, and so I'm watching the the Sacto suite. And I can tell you that ten out of ten people were not happy that it was Harrison Barnes taking that shot. You know, like and then nothing, like no, but like nobody, no one's uh, body posture suggested that they were confident on Harry B knocking that one down. All right, boys, to game five. Enough looking back. Look forward um, and for game six. Sorry. Here's our question. Quote: I loved game five, but I'm already nervous about game six. What does the huddle think will happen when the series returns to the Golden State? Quick caveat, Sacramento's in the Golden State. Uh, I know it's a confusing name. That does, in fact, happen in California. But nonetheless, here are the prediction questions. Eric, take our first. Um, will fans be in their seats to start the game? So hold on before you answer it, right? Game, uh, game six has an early start. It is starting at 5 o'clock. They were so worried about it that Steph Curry offered this. If we've got that video, let's go ahead and play it, Maxine. Make
3: sure y'all get y'all butts in the seats at 5 o'clock. Tip
0: off. Uh, It's a little early, but everybody get off of work early in the bay.
1: Let's go. Boom. So we've we've got permission from Steph Curry to get off work early. He wants us there. One of the criticisms I've leveled towards Chase, Eric, is that we're not, you know, asses in seats doesn't happen. So when the ball tips, what percentage of seats will be filled at Chase? 40
2: oh. <laughs> what is it like a, so what i would respond to that by saying that a 5 p.m start time makes it less likely that fans are in their seats yep. so i would counter to you and say what percentage are in the seats during a 7 p.m tip-off
1: well there have been we've been at like 65 70 you know um so do you think that without Steph? so 40 i heard you without steps that, uh,
2: that's not worse. going to move the needle. The Bay-, Bay Area people, are, they're on their own clock, bro. Like, yeah. it will fill out. It will fill out, but tip, 50%, maybe.
1: Marcus, you agree? Yeah. Over, under 50%? I'm
3: going to go over. I'm going to give Chase fan, and right. Warriors fans some some love and some hope. Um, I think it's a closeout game, and we're, we're at 55 60%.
2: we're a a gentrified bunch man (laughs) talk about how the mighty have fallen
1: you know i'm not even talking about like how loud will we be i'm not even talking about like what shirts we'll wear i'm talking about being there just being there just being there when the game starts you know and like we that that's not even a guarantee in a closeout that eric is saying less than 50 percent shows you just about as much as we need to know next one mt keep the mic who will be the leading scorer and with how many points who? Um. I'll give you a hint. It's in his nickname. Yeah, I didn't say <laughs> Clay with thirty-three. Yeah, Game Six, Clay thirty-six. What do you guys That's guess? Right, I
2: think. So thirty six in the third quarter, right? (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) What's he going to do in those other three quarters? He's just going to be, you know, just take up asses like to make sure we actually have people there. It's going to be my uh, my favorite warrior of all time, KT eleven. Clay is going to lead all scorers game six. Clay, it's a it's a meme that's transcended the age. Like it's been so loud, the response to game six clay has been it's been so loud. He's obviously so aware of it. Everyone is so aware of it. That it creates legitimate confidence that he plays off of where he will he will catch fire. He will force himself to catch fire or like completely flame out trying. Uh that's just how I see it. I think game six clay. It's gotta be. It just has to be.
1: I love watching Clay when he gets the ball and you can almost see the thoughts go through it. Like he gets the ball and he's like, you know what? I'm motherfucking Clay Thompson. Bow, it just fires it off. Like just immediately. He has so many. Um, not within the offense, terrible shots that end up being great shots. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in game six, change the question, go to the most important one, Maxime who wins
4: warriors. And let me, let me tell you why. I mean, there's so many reasons, but another behind enemy enemy lines. This is a straight screenshot. I've done no doctoring of it. This is the complete response to this question in the King subreddit. Realistically. Do you all think we can win these next two? I think we're cooked. I just feel like the Warriors are going to put the hammer and win easily. They likely won't. Doesn't seem likely. So uh, Sacramento Kings fans are scared and with good reason. Props to the guy's name.
1: It's not Spaghetti. That's a very interesting... I mean, like, how many times was he accused of being Spaghetti before he had to change his screen name on Reddit to make sure that people knew it was not? Uh, I'll go Warriors. Um, I'm terrified of a Game 7. I think this might be me, like saving myself emotionally, but I think the uh the momentum has shifted. The Kings have now lost three in a row. The Warriors can smell fucking blood. And when this team can smell blood, they close it out. So I think they do. I think um I think it's the Warriors and I think it's a close game until about five minutes left. And
2: then we'll all get to relax and start to celebrate. I like the the username at the bottom of that thread was user send Davy on nudes <laughs> <laughs> uh what i thought was interesting about that behind enemy lines that maxim just posted is that on reddit it's an upvote downvote system so the like this wasn't just one kings fan that wrote this like 164 more fans thought this was true than fans that thought it was not true like this is this is public opinion kings fans think they're losing game six and they're right like I said it before Game 3 when we were down in a 2-0 hole. I'm like, whoever wins Game 3 is going to win this series. I said, Game 3, no Draymond, no GP2. We're coming home. If we win that, this Kings team is not going to walk back into the same building and reload and beat a team that just beat them shorthanded. It's just not going to happen. And then everything to lose. The Kings have been talking so much shit. they got all the championship experience. I I just didn't see any way um, that, that it could be any other way. So, I mean... I personally think Warriors are going to win. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like a particularly close game. I might be wrong. Um, anything can happen, but I expect the Warriors to win at home. I just next
1: put him back in the top right corner. He
2: earned it, dude. Way to go, Eric. Hey. We're, maybe we're back.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. Warriors win as well. Um, I, you just feel like De'Aaron Fox has to have an off game at some point. Um, Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just keeps the streak going. Um, He didn't do terribly well as a clutch player in the last fourth quarter. But overall, he's still, you know, arguably the best player on the court next to Steph. So um, I think he's due for a semi off game. And then that leads to the Warriors winning pretty comfortably.
1: Am I wrong in wanting six hard finger fouls on Fox? Uh, I mean like, and yeah, that, that sounds weird and I'm saying it kind of jokingly, but I, I mean it, if, if this was a late eighties contest, you know, um, and JK wasn't getting minutes, the, the bad boy pistons would let him be out there for just long enough for six hard found or hand fouls, you know, he'd swipe in and they'd be going after Fox's finger because that's playoff basketball. Then it is, would that be acceptable now? You know, like, is this a different era and you can't do it any longer or, you know, mm-hmm. all is fair love and uh, playoff basketball.
2: you get thrown out for sure
4: yeah and on top on top of it we just don't need to do that you know like we're already in their heads i actually uh, another behind enemy lines that i have here right um, things have been have not been the same since Dre screamed at his face He's talking about Sabonis right yeah it's hard to watch we're in their heads we don't need to do anything extra right and that's why I was so disappointed when I heard that De'Aaron Fox was hurt I feel like even with a healthy De'Aaron Fox we still were like I said on the ascendancy so I don't think we need to do any of that and I don't want any asterisks on this series oh if De'Aaron was healthy it would have been something completely different so fuck all that noise we can win going straight ahead
1: Here's how much of a fuck I give about the asterisks and other people's opinions. Zero. You know how many times people gave a shit when the Warriors got hurt and we were terrible for 30 years? No times. Nobody came in and was like, oh, this is super unfair. The things aren't going well for Golden State. So if we occasionally, if someone's hurt in front of us and other people don't like our path, they can fuck themselves 4,000 times. Um, there
2: was some individual sympathy for KD when he got hurt, but no one was like, oh, the Warriors, that's too bad. Like no, No one cared. No one cares.
1: Clay Thompson didn't play basketball for two straight years, yeah. and the and the narrative still is that Golden State gets lucky with the injuries.
2: Yep. Oh, so and there's there people of- that are like, oh, it's good for basketball when Clay it, plays, but it, they're not sad. The Warriors got their championship chances it, squashed. Up. Like they're they're thrilled.
1: I'll also say yeah. that that if they did that, and I'm, I don't mean they go in and you you send them in like a hitman, you know, you you have when they are reaching in for the ball, if they inadvertently hit his hand a few times, you know, would I consider that dirty? No, I'd consider that playoff basketball. I I think that they should be allowed to do that. I bet you the heat would, I bet you Jimmy Butler would do that shit in a heartbeat. Um, And I, it wouldn't, I I don't know. I, I, we don't need it, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't like to see it to our final question. And it's a judgment theater. And actually it builds right off the uh, behind enemy lines. We were just reading quote, I've watched a lot of players get lustily booed over the years, and from what I can tell, DeMontis is taking it really hard. Pause, I agree. Having been there, watching his facial reactions and his body posture at Chase, he's not taking it well. I continue. If you were booed by an opposing fan base when you touched the ball, would it help or hurt your game? Um, So just to get the ball rolling, why don't we go on me first? What do you boys think? I get booed lustily. They fucking hate me. Do I come out on fire or am I in my feeling?
2: Remember when you were super worried I was going to unearth that video of you missing those free throws <laughs> at the <Chaser? laughs> Like there's no way you could handle it. I could handle it. <laughs> like it would be it would be insane like to have 18,000 people wanting you to fucking fail. <laughs> like that's so much pressure. It's just so much pressure.
3: I, I completely agree. I haven't seen the video, but you should unearth it, Eric. But from hearing the story, it, it was all downhill. Once one shot went bad, and there was just a couple of, you know, ball boys and ball girls yeah. <laughs> watching the music. And you were the only up one booing 2000, me. That's, that's a, a little too much pressure.
1: Max, I'm, I'm not even going to let you to guess. You guys are completely fucking wrong. Let's go. <laughs>
3: Let's go.
1: <laughs> Am I capable of getting in my head? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I'm capable of getting my head in almost any subject. Uh, and so for sure, am I good at allowing other people to get in my head? No. And mm. I am hated for my job. And so I, I harness that. I'll give you an example yeah. in, in a deposition. If I think I can get you to really hate me, really hate me. I'll spend the first hour making sure you hate me beyond compare because once that happens, you're not paying attention to my questions anymore. You're only paying attention to me and I will uh. get you fired up and then slip a few past you and we'll win the case. So, so you know, he, yeah, it can, can hey, I can I bring them in that top corner? Yeah, sure. Uh, but <laughs> can I, can I get fucked up and, and, you know, distract myself for reasons I shouldn't? Absolutely. But do other people's dislike of me impact me? Is it a head? No, I am all the way fine with being disliked and still winning. Um, Maxine. Let's go to Maxime. Ah, uh, I think it would impact you. I don't think you'd show it, but I think it would. I think it would upset you, um, and I think it would be more of a hindrance than uh, it'd be a headwind, not a backwind. I think it'd, it'd push you back.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it would be an internal upset. You try not to let it be shown. Maybe, maybe flash the tree climbing card just to get everybody to quiet down a little bit. But otherwise, it would affect them a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think the pressure is going to get to you, Maxime.
1: What's the answer? Tell us to fuck ourselves.
4: Yeah, fuck yourselves. Like think about Kanye West over here, right? Everybody feels some type of way about K, but at least they feel something. The fact that I'm getting booed means that I'm doing something right. Let, you know, like if at least they're paying attention to me, right? That means I'm doing really well and I can just sit on that own confidence. They're booing me because I've already wrecked them once. Like I'm just going to keep it going. I almost
1: started booing you during that answer to see how you'd respond, but I thought it'd be bad audio, Ooh. you know, like just, just to like ultimately get a take, uh, Let's go to Marcus because he's the guy who has not been um, judged yet. Marcus is going to tell us it wouldn't impact him at all. It would. It would definitely impact him. Marcus does like being liked. He's good at what he does. But if we had enough people being super loud FUE, I think it would slow you down. I think it would impact you.
4: Well, we're, uh, we're going to find out in the chat. Thank you, Matt, for helping us out here. <laughs> boy, How are Matt. you taking this boo? Yeah. <laughs> and he put it
1: in all capitals, which I really right. enjoy.
4: Maybe a couple I'm out. More. I'm
1: off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, drop some
2: judgment and then let's get the answer. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to rattle you. But I don't know. At the same point, when you're talking about uh, you telling that story about being in the box and you're saying like, hey, if there was a Kings fan, nearby and we weren't in a corporate setting, you're like, oh, it would be on. So I could also see you rising to the, the level of competition and uh, and fueling that and thriving out that I could see that.
1: I feel like my super militant response has kind of like shocked us all into wanting to say, yes, we're fine. I apologize for that. I got a little excited. Got a little excited to say mine. Marcus, what's the answer? Would it impact you?
3: Um, Eric is right. I'm different on the court than off the court. Off the court... Uh, you know, it's what you guys get on this podcast. Um, on the court for some reason I just the competitive fire kicks in. Um I haven't played in front of eighteen thousand people, but I was lucky enough to play in a couple in front of a couple thousand people. And at a certain point the size of the audience starts to drown out and it all just becomes, you know, one big normal number where you just tune it all out. So
1: But it's not the um, size. Do they hate you? you know, Did those two thousand yeah. people boo the fuck out of you?
3: Yeah, I was getting booed. I mean we you know, we were playing the game and, you know, there's a sizable home crowd or crowd for the other team. Um, So, you know, like, I don't, I don't, it's probably not the same. It's definitely not the same as 18,000 people booing you, you know, that are fervent Sacramento fans. But um, at some point there's a threshold where an inflection point where you can kind of just drown it out. And because it's, it's so many people, it, Flips And it's not like 10 people watching you, which is a little different than 18,000 people. You just kind of want to make the basket to give a middle finger to everybody.
2: It's hard to analyze where these players are at in their heads, because like realistically, everyone in the NBA has played in front of thousands of people like these are like every single one of these players was likely the star wherever they came from. Mm -hmm. And they've been in the spotlight. They've been under the bright lights. But then you also see like Dylan Brooks is completely collapsing under the moment right now. (laughs) So I I think back to like where I went to college, Um, it was like a small liberal arts school and the men's basketball team was like NAIA D3, like not even NCAA, like some small little thing. And they had some circuit where they ended up playing Chico state uh, NCAA division two school. And uh, we, we would have in our gym, like 200 people at a game. And my buddy, Aaron Reniker, was like starting shooting guard for our small school and goes to Chico State. And this fan base just looked at the stat sheet. They're like, this guy, we're heckling this guy. And every single time he got the ball, the whole stadium, Aaron, you suck, like nonstop, like the whole game, like 48 minutes. And it was crippling. He was like, "I can't even like I can't even dribble the basketball." He's like, "These guys are already better than me." <laughs> he's like, "And like the pressure of three thousand fans coming down on me." He's like, "I can't even I can't even move." It was so interesting to see. Uh-oh. i say
1: shout out to Tony Forcero uh, in case he's listening and is also you know occasional guest on this show. And I'll save this story for when Tony comes back on. But uh, Tony came and played against uh, UC Santa Cruz when I was there. And me and a friend of mine went to the game. We didn't know Tony then, but decided that he was the guy we were going to boo. And we We drank 40s and then booed the dog shit out of that guy for, I don't know, you know, however long that college game was. And he played really well. So, you know, props to Tony, but we (laughs) can see whether or not it impacted him. All right, boys, we have gone long, huge, fun. Eric, man, thank you. Um, I was all fired up to have you on. You didn't disappoint in any way. For people who need way more Eric Jett in their life, where do they go?
2: Uh, find us on reddit.com slash r slash warriors. Community of Warriors fans. Post your best memes there. Uh, or you can find us on Twitter at GSWReddit. And we're sharing some of those memes there as well. For
1: us, you want to get us a question? Let us know we did a good job, bad job. Any job, you can shoot that too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. You're also on a series of social media sites. Um, so Twitter, that one's at warriorshuddle. I don't know if YouTube counts as social media, but we're on YouTube as well, a ton of great stuff there, and we're on Instagram, and I a special request, I want you guys to join Instagram because I want you to help me watch Marcus. This fucker did not post one thing during the last game. There's maybe 10 posts total on there. The thing's been up for a hell of long. So hop on there, make this motherfucker start engaging you guys. I would just follow them. Marcus, where do we find the Instagram account?
3: Up for hella long is a generous description, but <laughs> you know the podcast is, is here and strong. Um, it's at Warriors Huddle and would love to interact with you guys. I was just caught up in the game. We needed to win and I, I didn't have time to
1: post, so yeah, sorry. It, the, we, we considered a site called I'm Too Caught Up in the Game to Post. Don't follow us, but we decided instead for Warriors Huddle. Join there and make this bastard post with that in mind. Go Warriors! Hopefully, we'll see you real soon.
3: Good, good.